listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers are gay. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi, I'm Michael Jordan. This is Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Whoever you are out there in the wide world, listen, I know there is a lot of noise out there in the world. There is a lot of noise. It's, it, it, it's noisy, I know. I find it hard to find some peace and quiet myself and I never know what to watch, what to listen to, what to do. So if you are listening to this, thank you. I really do appreciate it. Um, I just had the good fortune of speaking with none other than Tim Stevenson. Now, for those of you that know Tim, he needs no introduction. But those of you that don't, I'll, I'll, I'll paint a bit of a picture. Tim is a bat out of hell. He really is cut of a different cloth. Um, he is a well, he's a good egg. I love saying that, don't I? But he truly is. And, and he's a hell man. Absolute hell man. He, he, we, we chat far and wide from all things from pro surfing when he was a young, young and, um, and his time on, you know, the, the junior circuit and, and then his travels far and wide. He's traveled far and wide and surfed, you know, like ships turns, mavericks, um, waves all over the world charging. Um, and, and to, to, to see how he now picks his strike missions, you know, like uh, he is a hundred percent committed to the ocean and he's found a new love in the ocean, which is foiling. Um, and so Tim and I had an amazing chat that, 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 that intertwined a bit of everything. We, 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 we jump around the map and I had, a, I had a really fun time talking to Tim. So Timmy, if you're out there, thank you so much for coming over, but Tim is a waterman. That's what I'm trying to say. For those of you that don't know who Tim is, he's a waterman. That's how I could put it. When it's big, the dude is a standout in our town. He's he's up there. He fuck. We didn't even talk about this in the chat. He won the fifty year storm. Um, you know that's no small feat from for around here. I mean that that, that wouldn't even. That's, it doesn't even clip on Tim's radar. I'm sure if we had a drill on that, it would have got there. But the guy is next level charger, um, and just and just a really good dude. So I hope you enjoy our chat, Timmy. Thanks again. Um, you know, this week was a tinge of sadness. I didn't know the guy, but Tom Sizemore passed. You know, and um, you know he's a Hollywood actor. And you might go, "What do you care about a Hollywood actor?" Tom Sizemore entertained the shit out of me like I love seeing Tom Sizemore on screen the guy was unhinged like he was always you know you could just tell the guy like what the fuck is going to happen with this dude from true romance to heat uh saving private Ryan you know he's just an amazing actor who definitely had his own personal demons you know but it translated on screen he I, I love unhinged actors another one classic Sam Rockwell Dude is unhinged, and I, you never know what he's going to do next, and I love that. But anyway, so that was sad. That was sad when I wake up because I love to wake up and check the news and the, see another one of those guys. <sighs> well, just fucking hell, you know, people dying. It's fucked. Um, that's the reality of life that we seem to be living in. Uh, the other thing that frightened me when I was reading uh, the news the other day was there's a robot out there now, an AI robot that can melt itself. It can melt itself, go through bars, and then re 
form its shape again. AI, bang, that is fucking Terminator. And if I, you know, if if if, if you've seen Terminator and it frightened you, well, it's here. It really is. Chat GPT, uh, m- m- robots that melt themselves. It's reality. That was in BBC this week. There's a robot that melts itself to get out of a fucking cell. It's Terminator. Sleep tight. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Tim. Timmy, thanks so much for coming over. And I'll see you on the other side. Okay. Adios. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total barfarama. This is David Bowie. Pretty things are going to hell. Do you run the SodaStream? Yeah. I didn't until um, Virginia was like, you've got to stop buying the cans. Do you, you buy the cans? The big packs. Of cans? Yeah. The Cascade ones? No. Which um, ones? Schweppes. Schweppes. The big 375 can, not the little Oh, yeah. No, one. I'm talking like the, the little skinny 250 mil yeah, I know the ones. Soda, four soda cans. Yeah, yeah. They get they give them to us at work. Oh, I think they? we're the biggest consumer of them in Australia. Do you like them, man? Yeah, big time. Yeah, it's okay. like um, they're super addictive. I reckon I drink like I don't know at least ten or twelve a day at least. So the, it's the same in in the states. There's a thing called La Croix. Yeah. You heard of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. South Park did an episode mocking it. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. totally, man. Everybody has busy watering cans in their fridge and it's yeah. is the brand. Yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. South and Park ripped on it. So until Virginia was like, you got to stop with the cans. Do you reckon it's better? I, I prefer the cans. Yeah. Um, I yeah. just bought two bottles of soda water about 20 minutes ago, like one, two fives, but... We mean to make the transition, but I mean I, I like it um, because you just go, you know, at the water filter there. You know, the water's good. Mm. Um, Is that a Stephanie water filter too? It, I don't know what it. It's got the charcoal filters in the top, and yeah. the um, the one for the in the bottom. It's got what's they say is bad in the water. Fluoride. Yeah, the fluoride. It's got the fluoride ones at the bottom. Yeah. So it, it cost me a little bit, but it's the water coming out of it tastes different for sure. Does it taste like plain water? Well, it just tastes like, like drinkable. You drink it out of tap. It's like, fuck this shit. Mm. You want me to get your cup? That's oh. it with bubbles. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with this one. Yeah. So let's just go. Can I, I'm going to just going to flip this on its head. Your mm. work. Yep. Yeah. So. You the other day took off for work. I saw you did a, uh, an Instagram, and you're on the ferry. Ah, uh, yep, yep, yep. So you shoot from here to the ferry. No, you... so that was actually the first time I've done that. No, uh, I normally drive like because where I depart to to leave for work is near Sale. It's like Eastern Victoria. Yeah. So I normally just drive around uh, through Melbourne, down the Monash, and through the Gippsland Highway. But because of the timing of my flight to get to work, I was going to run into traffic. So I thought, oh, even though it's longer, it's more of a, like a relaxing drive. I'll just get the ferry across and yeah, yeah. it's way better. Yeah. Yeah. That through the tunnel sucks. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, if you, there's just like one little disruption, traffic's like you're done. So I did that drive every day for like seven years. Oh. So prior to this job. So, was it was that were you working with Kit 
No, no, not this. Is my, I'm, I'm working with Kit now. Oh, hey. uh, yeah, we're on opposite sides, so we never actually really see each other. Yeah, okay. yeah. So. so, so, so when you get to sail, yeah, do you then get on a helicopter? Yeah, I yeah. mean, this is well, crazy. it's actually just from a place called Longford, which is just down, just down the road from sail. Yeah, okay. So, um, it's I think it's like a fifteen. 15 minute drive yeah yeah so and then the chopper ride is normally anywhere between 40 minutes and an hour and a half 40 minutes an hour and a half yeah that puts you in the middle of bass Strait. yeah yeah i actually looked this up the other day that like bass Strait is only 200 k's wide from tassie to here yeah yeah 200 k's i got out of king island a fair bit yeah and it's like from bar and heads 35 minutes in a plane yeah it's nothing yeah. How far is King Island? Do you know as the crow flies like oh, off no, the coast? But, you know, someone told me uh, the other day that on a clear day, if you stand on the hills behind Apollo Bay, because it's a straight shot, you can mm. see it. So that's the closest spot, hey, Apollo Bay? Yep. Straight, it's like straight south or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, so you get a helicopter. Yep. And you land on a rig. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's like a fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah, does it feel like one? It's um the first few times was pretty daunting. Still sometimes does get daunting, like, because there's, like, a lot of vibrations happening. Um, each pilot, like, has a different approach to landing on the, on the heli deck. And, yeah, so, like, I mean, I still sometimes tense up. Like, there's a story from back in the day out there, like, where the, I'm not sure how long they'd been operating for, but... They got like a, a news a news team out to like film the choppers coming in, you know. So everything up until this point had been sweet. They'd organised the news team to be on the heli deck when the choppers come in. Sure enough, it malfunctioned as it was coming in and killed like I think that whole news team like decapitations and all sorts of like nasty stuff. Yeah, I don't know if everyone on board the chopper. I think they were okay, but I know that the news team, like, so now there's a rule that you can't be on heli deck while the chopper's coming in. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And so if it's severe weather? Uh, they'll fly up uh, anywhere up to 60 knots. Okay, that's pretty so fucking. Actually, that's over 100 k. Yeah. 100 and, yeah. 100 and a bit. They like wind. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. They don't like fog because they can't see. Yeah. But wind, yeah, because there's like resistance. So it obviously determines which direction they'll approach the platform on. So Yeah, yeah, so they can counterattack it. Sort of yeah, thing. well, yeah. every every platform's got a crane and it's always next to the heli deck, you know. So like you've got this big fixed bit of plant that's there all the time with up about 45 metres of boom. But they're always facing to the northeast. If they're if they're stowed, if they're parked up, which they have to be parked up for every chopper landing, and some rigs will have up to five choppers a day. And they can all be on the deck. Can you? How many can you have on one, at one time? Hel- helicopters. Yeah. One. Oh, okay. It's so, tiny, man. It's yeah, like, right. yeah, it's tiny. So they just come and go. Yeah. 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 It's Each not- chopper can have twelve people on it. Plus two pilots. So, so, okay. So you're on deck and then you go to your quarters. Like what, what happens? Yeah. Like, oh, so basically it's pretty much like, you know, day one, you'll land. 
most of the time you've been because there's I don't know fifteen odd platforms out there, um, all quite close. Um, so you'll land. You'll it's pretty like regimented the whole like helicopter like operations side of things because that is touted as the most hazardous thing in the role. Yeah, helicopter transitions and or travels. So you'll pretty much you'll land. The PSO, which is the platform service operator, he'll, he comes up, meets the helicopter, puts the chocks down. He's the one that's told them that they've got clearance to land, the crane's okay, rah, rah, rah. Um, he'll open up the, the boot of the, the helicopter and you can never go behind the boot because that's where the, the tail shaft is, Yeah. Um, tail rotor. And, yeah, you'll just grab your bags out and then you, you walk side on to the main doors and then down down the exit and you're wearing like... Double hearing protection. Um, Double. Yeah, so plugs, muffs with a life jacket over the top. So, and in winter, we've got like a, a big, a big, like a waterproof jacket with a crutch strap, which is like a little nappy, a chlorated vest underneath that, and a long sleeve t shirt. So, sometimes you can be like full right. Michelin man getting in and out. And then you'll go down to the radio room. Um, you'll take your life jacket off, hang it in the cupboard, go down to the radio room, wait for everyone to get off the chopper and the platform service operator to come back down after he's uh, sent the chopper away. And then you'll look on, on like a bit of paper and your name's there with what room, what bunk and what your escape vessel is. So they're all uh, colour-coded, the escape, escape vessels. And then, yeah, the PSO will just give you a little debrief, who's in charge, how many on board, you know, daily operations, upcoming work, sort of scope, what's happening, and then, yeah, tell you who's cooking food, and, and that's it. You'll just go off to your room and settle in. And Does the cook come in with you? The cook? Yeah. Come in? With you on the, like, is it a team? Like, there's the, the or is the... Uh, so there's, like, a bunch of different contractors out there. There could be up to even, like, 10 or 12 on any platform at one time. So you've got the client, which is ExxonMobil, uh, and then ESS, which is the cooking side of things. They're the cookers, cleaners. Um, UGL, which is the company I'm working for, which is like they do like the rigging, cranes, scaffolding, well, part of it, another contractor would. I mean, I could name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a big, it's all a day. big, big fucking operation. Yeah, yeah. And so when and then what, what, does your day-to-day look like? Do you have night shifts, day shifts? No, sometimes. It depends on what's happening on the platform, like um, if it's in shutdown. So if it's in shutdown, it's obviously not producing. It's not basically switched off um, in a shutdown. So then they can switch it off. So it's, I guess, de-energized and no, well, not, not pressurized, I guess. So you can, in theory, do a lot more than if it is running. You know, because obviously temperatures, pressures, um, and they'll f- often flood the platform with contractors to like sort of smash out the maintenance as quick as possible, replace everything or fix everything that they have to do, and then get it up and running ASAP. Because every minute's shut down, it's not making money. That's right. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, if in that situation there is night shift, um, but you just your general day to day activities is you know you start work at six. Some guys get up, go to the gym at, I mean, half past three, three. I know Kit, Kit gets up in the morning and goes. Um, but my, my day-to-day, I normally, like, wake up around five, depending if I'm sharing a room or not. I'll do some, like, 
like breathing routines, stretching, stuff like that. And then I'll question. Yeah. Breathing routines. Yeah. Uh, like um, um, a CO2 tables or a meditative kind of breathing routine? No, I've, I, it's pretty much, I mean, I'll pretty much just cram into like a 12 minute Wim Hof routine. Uh, yeah. So, and then sometimes I'll incorporate a little bit of like breath of fire or just even something as simple as just like slow meditative breathing, breathing like. So you zero in. Yeah. 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 Can I ask, did you do that yesterday? No. Mm. No. Just curious. Anyway, so yeah, back to, we're back on the platform. Then you're going, so you, yeah. this is your routine in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um. So normally alarm goes off at five, do a 12 minute breathing routine. Normally get up from there, I'll stretch if I've got the room to myself in the room. If I don't, then I'll go out, have a shower, go stretch after that, go have a coffee. And then we start work at six. So six to six. And then, days. Yeah. And you're on like the whole time. These are like, you know, your mind or do you get to chill depending oh, the, on what's going the on? The hardest thing to deal with it out there is being isolated and like living with guys who you're spending every minute of every day with. Yeah. You know, and then you might have, you might have a Barney with someone at work and then you've got to go and sleep literally two feet away from him. It's like, like jail. Yeah. Pretty much getting paid to be in jail almost, <laughs> I guess. It's, it's, it's like the conditions are good out there. Like it's definitely, I mean, if jail's like that, then I'll go to jail. <laughs> no, I definitely don't want to go to jail. Have you but... seen the mayor of Kingston? Yes, I'm watching it at the moment. Oh, I finished it last night. A, a mate of mine, you know, didn't you know I went to acting school in New York? Yeah. My best mate in the year above me is in the show. Oh, wow. And so I was like, i got to see what he's been up to. Yeah. He's the, uh, his name's Robert in it. He's the head SWAT guy. Okay. Yeah. Hamish. Classic. Yeah. Good dude. It was just, it's like, it's weird, man, to see someone that you know so well actually in a proper show. That's a good series. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Did you, have you finished season one? Yeah. I'm up to date because it's week week to week at the moment, isn't it? Oh, I've got Paramount Plus, so I just... Same. Finished. Well... It's still week to week. I thought last night was the the one I watched last night. I thought it was the series finale, and I was like, "That's a weak series finale where he's just walking around drunk everywhere." Maybe there's a new episode that I haven't seen in the last twenty four hours. Have you? You haven't seen that one? I don't think. I don't know. It's you would not. You'd not because Jeremy Renner is just he's on the terps the whole way through. Yeah, I did. I did see it. Yeah. Yeah. But sorry, going back that one, the last episode of season one with the. In the jail. That mm. was fucking heavy. Oh, man. yeah. That was full on. I was like, I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. And yeah. I was sort of like, oh, here we fucking go. Yeah. It's yeah. extreme. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know many people had been onto it. That's funny. Oh, watching no, that. I'm a, like, with my job, I'm a TV series Bing, fiend. fiend. I've seen them all several times if they're good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, that's my end of day routine is pretty much I'll just get get home, have a shower, well, knock off, have dinner, have a shower, and then jump into bed and binge series. Do you, um, we're watching The Offer. Okay, what's that like? Have you watched? No. Oh, dude, it's really good. Okay. Do you know what it's about? Mm-mm. It's about the making of The Godfather. Okay, cool. And how hard it was to get that film, like, greenlit to get the mafia to the mafia didn't want it made and they were flexing on them heavy. 
And so it's all like it's period, like, you know, feel like you're back in the 60s or whenever it was. And yeah. it's, it's quite good. Is it documentary style? No, no, it's full, like, you know, like a, a series. It's so, okay. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, digress. But yeah, so it feels, it can feel like, I imagine, what would you have a beef with someone out there about? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, anything. Like, don't leave your if shoes someone, there. No, yeah. it's kind of just like, because you get. You, you know, you can have at the start of the trip, it's always cool, you know, because you're catching up and and all this. But then, you know, as you get bored, like nothing new's happened in the last week, you know, so you're only living off like what's happened, you know, on your R&R or what you've got to look forward to or something like that. But generally, like you'll just start picking on people's weaknesses, like, and you've got to have schoolyard. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's like full schoolyard stuff. So. You know, and it's it's the same old thing. If if you start to show any weakness, like the boys will just like exploit it and try and break you because you've got nothing else to do. Like I try and I try and like you know fly under the radar and don't get too involved because it can be can be pretty dangerous. You know, if some, like especially if one of the boys are in a mood and they start picking on someone else and they're not in the mood for it. Like you never know what someone is going through. Like outside Have you seen of it work. Kick off? Uh, I mean, yeah, like I've seen a dude threaten to smash someone's teeth in with a like a podgy bar because <laughs> he called him a name. Um, Tim, you're pretty built and I don't, wouldn't be wanting to get on the back end of one of your punches and you're saying there's crew out there. I mean, Kit is fucking huge. Yeah. There's a lot of crew who are, you, you, you watch. Oh, no, everyone's pretty good. Like it's just there's a couple of guys... This guy's on, you know, behavioural meds and... Oh, wow. Surprised they let him on deck. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to talk no, too no, much no, in no, case... No, <laughs> no names. All yeah. good. Probably a very nice guy, but yeah. right, yeah, sometimes not. Um, yeah, so it's... I mean, you just got to have thick skin out there because some... You can just break people, you know? Yeah. Like... There's only so much someone can take until they'll snap. Oh, fucking eventually. Totally. And like, there's certain people out there that, unfortunately, I don't know what it is about the certain person that attracts that. Like, oh man, I'd be a mark for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I get thrown off. Certain people like just seem to attract that. Yeah, I don't know, but there's a few guys that are pretty, pretty quick with giving it too. So, how interesting. And so, two weeks on. Yeah. And then two weeks off. Yeah. And right now you're on the back end of the first week. Yeah. And do you get a funny feeling? I only recognise this from when I was working on the docks doing shifts and uh, say so I knew I was coming up to a stint of night times. So I'd be just like that just dreaded feeling of it coming. Do you feel like that when you got to go back or are you okay? Um, or is it like? Depending. Like if, like if I'm looking at a forecast at home or anywhere and I'll generally like do a global forecast and like if nowhere is completely cooking, I'm happy to go to work. Um, if home's cooking, then, you know, I'll start trying to look for excuses on why I can't go back to work. Um, but generally, I mean, it is what it is. You've signed up for the two and two. Yeah, yeah. At, like we work less than 50% of the time, so with annual leave and stuff like that. So we don't have it too bad, I guess. Yeah. I, I, and I reckon I could get down with it for sure. Like it, it's a duality 
And I bet it's not for everyone. Definitely not. You know. Yeah. But I think like I can't speak for you, but I think your focal point would be the ocean. A hundred percent. And it would allow you to when you are be off the job to be a hundred percent focused on the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is pretty great. A hundred percent. Like that's what I like I everything I do revolves around the ocean yeah. pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the tides or the winds or the swell or like everything. Oh man, look, I was trying to explain this to Virginia yesterday. I was like, I, I like I, I'm there. I'm like, you know, I, but I, I'm not at the level. I don't think that you are. And I'm like saying to her yesterday, I was like, this dude, it's like, it's no fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like it's actually gotten more intense recently. Like since I've started foiling now. Yeah. So, you know, prior to foiling, like maybe five years ago, you had the winds and the tides and the swell. Like you needed sort of those three things to come to the party before you could have a good surf. Okay, I'm going to back you up now we're here on this track. Can I just stop there because we're going to come back to this. Okay. I want. Can Do you remember the first time you saw surfing or you saw someone, it's been in your life your whole life, but yeah. do you remember like something that you were just like, fuck, yes that what that got me into it yeah or no i can't i've been surfing since before i can remember isn't that incredible yeah my dad got me into surfing since since i was like three and a half wow so there's like little like vhs like grainy pixelated footage of me getting pushed in at like cozies inside cozies um road night talkie point possos um yeah, and that was – they're the earliest memories I have. And then also being down at Rip Curl Pro, I guess. My dad worked for Rip Curl for about 20 years. So growing up, you know, through – I think he stopped when I was about 14 maybe or 15. Um, but what, so, what year was – around then, what was that? Was that in the late 90s? That would have been 2002. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but he was definitely in there through the golden years of the surf industry. Yeah. Um, so I did spend a lot of time. I was fortunate enough to be at the Rip Curl Pro every year. So I guess that's probably my earliest memory is just being down there. So you've just been a full froth dog maggot. Since yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think so. Um, and what about like, so when you were, who do you remember knocking around with and surfing with early, uh, those early days? Just the- My earliest days, it was always myself, like surfing with my dad before yeah. school. I would go every single day, like... I was actually just talking to someone about this the other day about, you know, recent conditions and forecasts and it just that same old story. It, it's never as good as it used to be. Yeah. Um, but I swear it isn't as good as it used to be. Isn't it funny? Did you read Jeff Rowley's post yesterday? No. About La Nina leaving and what he sort of did a comparison on, you know, just the, how fucked the last four years have been. Mm. And just a nice shift that we've noticed in the last two weeks is so so saying that La Nina was fucking gone and back to maybe some normality again. Yeah. Well, I hope he's right. Yeah, me too. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, I I do know what you mean. I feel like we used to get runs of waves and everyone would get surfed out and you could get a lot of waves, you know. It wasn't as as heck as as it always is now. Yeah, like... 
I used to surf every day with my dad before school at yeah. Bells, basically. Bells or boobs. Actually, they were all like little haunts. Um, and then I'd go to primary school. So around the age of, I guess, 10, I reckon 10, I started meeting up with Dane Carollo, Tommy Law, Jack Stevenson, Tyler Slavin, and I think that's it. Jack, Ty, Tommy, Dane, Case. Yeah, I think that was pretty much pretty much Paulo. Paulo, yeah, Paulo as well. Our sort of little yeah. crew after work, after school, sorry. And we would just yeah get our parents to drop us at Jack after school. We'd all surf and then we'd all walk home together. Yeah, I always see you guys at Milk Bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was pretty much, I guess, what kicked off like a lifelong friendship, like. And so when you were surfing through that period and, and, you know, like it's fun, I mean, that's just really, I like hearing that one, you surfing with your dad before school and like special times, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and then did you at one point think this is fucking Rip Girl Pro, I'm I'm going for the, I'm going to go for this? Mm, Not really, no. 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 I just enjoy it. I love it. Like I always have. But you have got um, some 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 titles you know as a as a as a yeah yeah, yeah. i guess <laughs> a i guess like, <laughs> yeah i i don't know i guess it was just natural sort of progression when you're younger like whether it be running you know you're cross country mm. you're swimming like whatever it is yep. you're going to eventually like i guess go through some sort of competitive route yeah you know i guess and for us you know, growing up surfing, that was just the... That was it. That was it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a few little things along the way, but nothing too crazy. No, it was pretty much to be like this. We can celebrate it a little bit. Like, <laughs> well, I, I don't know, KC could throw it under the bus a little bit because I was like, give me some shit. And he was like, now, I've, I've written here four Aussie titles. Juniors? No, there was zero Aussie titles. <laughs> Oh, at the Aussie titles. Bad note. Bad Fourth note. at the Aussie titles. Fourth yes. at the Aussie titles and something about some tens at Sandham Point. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Four I- Aussie titles. <laughs> Let's start with that. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Fourth at the Aussie titles. Yeah. Uh, so that was under 18. It was at Phillip Island. Um, yeah, the waves were actually really good. Like pretty much any result I ever got was pretty much due to favorable conditions. Um, when I say I love surfing and I love the ocean, I do, but I don't like surfing small waves. I don't like groveling. It's just, it's, it's not my thing, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. which is also why I foil now. Yes. Yeah, so when you say small, what are you talking like? Under waist high. Yeah. Fuck. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if it's head high and it's got shape, it can be fun. Yeah. So pretty much whenever I did well at a contest, you could, you know, it was definitely overhead high. Yeah. At least most likely it was double overhead. Um, but the waves that year at Phillip Island were actually really good. Um, I was hanging out with my friend Carl Wright, who's a local there, and we were watching the bank and it was a left with a channel on the inside of the bank and is at Woolamai and everyone was paddling out from down the end. And I, I was sitting there with him and I'm like, you know, the, the current is running off the bank. No one can actually get to the peak. So I'm going to paddle out behind it. 
and and chip one in and he's just like yeah sweet and yeah first first wave i got out there was a 9.8 and then backed up with like a nine a nine or something within the first sort of five minutes and back then if you came in the top four in australia you got to go to the world titles and represent australia so just making that was in the semi-finals so that was prior to the final so once i got through that heat it was like a guaranteed that you'd be going to the world titles and how was that that was great so that entailed like a six month spent uh sports scholarship at the ais um so i got to spend six months um yeah the australian institute of sport up up north cabrita training did you you learn a lot through that yeah 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 it was pretty much it wasn't to do with you know technique or anything like that it was all to do around trying to turn you into like a professional athlete so your diet your training um how to deal with media traveling like just like basic sort of stuff but you know fundamentals that you need to be successful do you think that that's helped you today in what you're doing uh yeah for sure like I, at the time i didn't really i guess grasp the opportunity that much oh, i kind of did actually i moved to california once once i did know that i was going to be in the team i spent six months in california and then came back did my six months in the institute of sport um and then we went over for the month like the four weeks over in California for the contest. Where and where was it held? Huntington. Uh, which yeah. can be really fun. Can be. Um and it wasn't too bad for Huntington standards. Um we weren't groveling, which is good. It was like sort of South side of the pier or north side of North Side. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a couple of banks are running like uh, split banks. But um yeah, it was good. Cool experience. Yeah, it was really cool. Like going to like, we all got decked out in this uniform and <laughs> and yeah, flown over there to the states and with a pretty good good crew. I think in, in the boys it was myself, Mitch Colborne, Tim Wrench, who was the reigning Aussie champ, and Tom Wimmer from WA. Yeah, that was under eighteen boys. And did you guys get after mission? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we did. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. Oh, a kid in a candy store. It would have been so much fun. It was. Yeah, it was a good time. I kind of like the, uh, the the South uh, SoCal vibes. Yeah, no, it's good. So, yeah, that I guess that kind of was a big milestone because that did open up a lot of doors and spending so much time in the States prior to the comp. Um, you know, I was living there for six months as a 19-year-old by myself. Where were you living? I was living in San Juan Capistrano. So it's kind of in between Huntington and San Clemente. Yeah. Little gated community. I totally know it. Um, yeah. My ex-girlfriend, Alison's parents used to live in that area. Okay, cool. Yeah, I yeah. know it. Yeah. San Juan Capistrano, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little just uh, turn off the highway and yeah. so I just like surf between trestles and Huntington every day and Rip Curl sort of looked after me with a job in the shop in San Clemente, maybe like two days a week that I could just, I'd just go surfing anyway. Yeah, yeah. How good are some of those little bagel shacks they've got around there yeah. and like dinners on the pier? I mean, the burritos, the burritos yes. in San Juan, the Mexican is just like world class. What is that Mexican, San Pe- uh, Pedro's? Is it Pedro's in, um, uh, what's got T Street? Where's T Street? What's that? Oh, man. That's San Clemente. San Clemente's got these little, you drive in, drive out ones. And it's yeah. got a bit of blue and white. 
I honestly couldn't tell you the names. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I used to, like, my thing was when I was over there, I'd go, I'd surf trestles on Saturday night uh-huh. and surf for the last hour of light and you'd walk in and everyone would be walking out because most people have a social life and they'd be going off to go to dinners and whatever and you could get you could surf trestles relatively uncrowded for that last hour and you'd walk out in the dark which was fucking scary mm. but then i'd always go to that mexican joint and get some fucking yeah chow yeah <laughs> this is good memories yeah socal max is the best mix um but yeah so that area it definitely has all a i didn't know shops. that you lived over there um at 19 that's crazy yeah crazy. yeah did a few trips down to Mexico. Like I had my own little van. Awesome. Yeah. So I met a couple of um, guys from that, that area. Right in San Pedro. There's a little right down there. Uh, San, no, San Sebastian. San. It's a, uh, like Sosavuetes. Is it called Sosavuetes? There's a town down there. that's like um, there's a beer named after the same town or. It's like oh man, two and a half. We're hours talking like a long time ago, like yeah, sixteen years ago. Anyway, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you were sponsored by Rip Curl at this stage. Yeah, yeah. And they were looking after you, and then you finished. Well, how did you go in the world titles at home? I came eighth. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. It's fucking huge. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Eight out of the whole world of people under eighteen is fucking giant, gigantic. Yeah. yeah. Stoked. It's good. Did you come home after that? Yes. Yeah. Bit of bit of pep in your step. Ah, uh, not really. No. I mean, I. Just, no, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't really like thought about it. Like competing was like I said, it hadn't really put that much thought into it. It was just kind of the rite of passage, I guess. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, and so did you keep that compared like? Eighth in the world, uh, uh, it w- was it a focal point still? Like, uh, even if it wasn't at the very front? Or, or I mean, like, going from there, I did, like, a couple of QSs and stuff like that, which I just lost first heat pretty much because, yeah, I mean... Grovel? Well, yeah, I mean, it was probably the other guys were just better than me, but, yeah, conditions, uh, yeah, the grovel, grovel fest. Yeah. So, I mean, I was never really that excited to, to do it. Uh, I still milked it for probably two or three years, you know, got doing the Europe stuff and in California and you went Hawaii, to going to Hawaii. Yeah. Do you enjoy that? Yeah. And um, Hawaii? Mm-hmm. How many trips have you been to Hawaii? Five. No shit. Yeah. Do five seasons there. What's the... Five seasons. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the most memorable season? Oh, man. Um, probably, probably my, like, second season, I reckon, I got... I'd like a really, I was staying at my friend Chaz Chittister's house uh, right at Rocky Point. So I was just there by myself. They had like this little guest house sort of underneath the house and I was just sort of running my own program. And I actually got like some really good waves, um, like big, big pipe, big back door and sitting at back door when it's a pipe day and kind of just like, trying to luck out and actually lucked into a couple of really, really good waves. And it's probably like one big memory of mine that I that I regret is not like I remember there's one session I had the best wave I've ever had out there by a mile, uh, and a couple of photographers came up and they're like, "Here we got the shot. Like here's our details. Hit us up." And I was just sort of young and didn't care, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sweet," and just never followed it up. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, pre-social media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So much before social media. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it wild, social media? It's crazy. We we're just talking about this the other day. Like you know, we, we're never lost anymore. You never uh, lost. Uh, uh, you never. You know. Not. I mean, just smartphones. Not. Not just uh, social media, but smartphones themselves. You know, you've any any information you want is right right there. It's crazy, isn't it? Do you remember when your kid it was like a, a pocket television that was like the future? It was like if anyone could have a, like a pocket telly kind of thing. And it's like this thing that we've got fucking far supersedes a pocket television. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, maps, information, like anything. How's that noise just picked up out there? Um, I'm just going to close the door quickly. Okay. Um, I just read on the BBC this morning there was a guy stuck in a... Uh, it, actually, you should read it. it was, if it gets too hot, let me know. I'll do something about the heat. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, odd set of circumstances and the way the article's written. He got, the article was this guy's... The, the, spit it out and use your words, John. <laughs> he was trapped. He, got, he was four-wheel driving in the mountains and he got trapped. No, so, no phone reception. Mm-hmm. Then got caught in a blizzard. And um, so he had a drone in his car and he wrote a message with his coordinates to a mate put it in the drone and sent it up. And so it got high enough and it sent the message and then the rescuers came and got him. How did he know which coordinates where he was at? Well, I think he must have had a pin or just like did a pin. <laughs> and you read, it's in BBC's Most Read okay. today. I'm pretty sure I read it this morning. But what was what, what got me was the mysterious circumstances that they sort of were like his family had left to go overseas and anyone else, I don't know. And he didn't want to be named. It was all odd. Seems to be a lot odd with that story because, you know, a drone, you can only fly max 10Ks. So, you know, 10Ks, I'd like to think most people could walk 10Ks, right? No, well, the emergency services were saying, thank God he didn't leave the car, he would have died. Oh, right. They reckon in those conditions, you stay with the car. Yeah, okay. Because it's, it's warmth. Um, yeah, no, no, there was a lot odd with it, yeah. but it was, um, I was like, that's pretty fucking smart though to send your phone, uh, drone up with your phone taped yeah. to it. Yeah. Anyway, we're never lost. <laughs> yeah. <We're> never lost. <laughs> yeah. But it, I don't know, man, like you imagine social media when we were younger, we would have been fucked. Oh man. Like brown cardigan every weekend. Yeah. Just hosed. There's nothing that you can do now that's not caught on camera at all. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I like I, I really believe that we're meant to get bored. Mm-hmm. That we're meant to sit with our thoughts, go for a walk, and um, and let whatever's happening like, you know, you have little epiphanies when you're bored. Mm-hmm. Uh and if you're forever um uh, entertained, then you're not really in tune with those thoughts that could be permeating. Does mm. that make sense? Or yeah, no, too, definitely. Too airy fairy. No, hundred <laughs> percent. I actually like have this little secret game 
I've never actually told anyone this. Well, this is great. What's well, a secret game? <laughs> well, like, you know, if you're ever in uh, like a waiting room or, or waiting for some food to be prepared or whatever, whatever it is, yes. you know, anyone that's waiting, yeah. their general like reaction is they, as soon as they're like made to feel a slight bit of uncomfortableness or whatever, they'll grab their phone and pull it out. My game is to like purposefully not pull it out and pretty much judge everyone around me <laughs> by looking at their phone. No, I like... But feel it. You yeah. feel uncomfortable for a bit. Oh, for sure, man. Like the first, my first reaction is as well to grab my phone. I'm like, I'm not doing that because I know it's just like a anxiety of being bored. Yeah. Or, or if you're waiting for someone and you're at a coffee shop or a restaurant and you can sit there and look like a loser by yourself... Or you can pull your phone out and instantly be go, I'm fucking busy. Mm. And it's such a crux because you're not busy. Mm. You just don't want to look like you've got no friends. Yeah. And to sit with that feeling and just wait for someone like we're used to and just observe what's happening, I think it's so much more powerful. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> as oh, awkward like, as it does feel initially. Yeah. I don't know. One of my five favorite times in the last couple of years has been coming back from a long stint overseas. I haven't actually done a long stint for about seven years, but coming back, you know what happens on the road, you'll tend to lose like everything, you know, your computer, your phone, like everything. Um, so coming back with nothing and trying to last, you know, yeah. see how long you can last without a phone. Yeah. Um, it doesn't generally last more than two weeks, but those two weeks are so liberating and it's so nice. It's really nice though when, like you say, when you are traveling mm. and you drop into that mode of you lose your phone or you, your SIM goes or whatever it is and you initially you're like, oh, I feel, and then that dissipates and suddenly you drop into the mode of just being like, it gives a fuck. Mm. And it's so nice. Mm. Yeah, I haven't had that for a while myself. But you, you can't see it. It's, not, it's on the bench over there. Uh, next to the beanie, I've got a phone there. It's a looks. It's the size of a credit card, mm-hmm. and it's just talk and text, mm-hmm. and it's the, like a Kindle, like a mini Kindle. And so the idea of that thing was, if I wasn't for work, I would just roll that. But the fucking iPhone is so powerful that that only gets rolled when I'm really had enough. Mm. But the intention's there to. I'd like to actually. Do a little experiment with all my friends, actually. We should all buy, like, some cheap little knockoffs, like burner phones, and see who can last the longest without getting the smartphone back. Uh, yeah, but, like, you'd be like me. I've got two. <laughs> it's like cheating. And then I was like, I'm just going to leave the iPhone at home. Um, and there's, like, a landline. Mm. And then that one, you know, but for work, like, I don't know. We're trapped to a certain degree. Um we digress, but I fucking, I love this space because it's like, we are slaves. I had on my phone, um, I had a, a, a Marlboro. So when I touched it, the picture was a packet of Marlboro smokes mm. because I thought the thing was like as addictive as smoking. So it was like, so you were digitally smoking on your phone. Well, it's just like, <laughs> is this is all two things. It's like my phone looks like Siggy's, which doesn't look, you don't never see Siggy's around anymore. Mm. And also it was a, like a, like my phone is like addictive. It was a thing. And then when I, but I, my lungs, as I was telling you, have been feeling fucked from, I think COVID. And I got out of the surf 
today and I was like, my right lung was a little like, Ugh. and I thought, oh, maybe subconsciously looking at the Marlboro picture, my lungs are taking it on. So Giving yourself emphysema. Yeah, so I'm taking it Subliminally. Off. I'm taking it off. Classic. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you feel better? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I looked at the picture that I've got on there now. It's a nice wave and it's like, yeah, it's a little bit more soothing than looking at Marlboro's. <laughs> like how bad are your lungs? Is that from long COVID? Well, I was sick uh, a month ago. Mm. Didn't surf, couldn't train for two weeks. Went away for a week, surfed every day twice, mm-hmm. felt okay, didn't feel top notch. But mm-hmm. then when I got back, I just sort of fell in a hole and I was like, what the fuck? And I, you know, I go to CrossFit three times a week and I was going up there and I'd still train. I'm like, I just don't want to drop a certain level of fitness. And I would notice through the workout, I felt like I'd been smoking. Mm. Like I was just gassing out, pain in my lung. Uh, and before I got crook, I was bumping into all sorts of crew at Winky who were like, oh, I've had COVID recently and it's just hosed my lungs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? You know, that sounds bad. And just, so, you, know, you know, and you do the judgy thing, mm. oh, poor you. Mm. <laughs> but then that's what I'm feeling like. I'm just like restricted like I have been smoking, but I haven't. Mm. Yeah, right. So what is that just when you notice it all the time or just when you're training? Just when I'm training. Mm. And today when I had a surf, it wasn't big. It was like, you know. But I noticed that I was like, oh, I'm a little bit under duress right now. Yeah. But I think like, yeah, like I, I, I'm just putting it down. Virginia's had a similar thing. Mm. I don't know. Like I don't feel crook. I just my uh, energy levels just keep falling. Do you do any like breath breathing stuff? I've done Wim Hof, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I used to love doing. Do you have the app? Uh, I've had the app. I don't really get down with it, but yeah, I've tried to. So I was doing. I would just do it without the app, and then I was doing it to the app for a while. But I used to love doing it in bed before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And you know that head rush you get. Mm. It's like a fucking bong hit. Yeah. And sometimes you do it, and then I'd wake up and it'd be morning. You know, like knock yourself out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was like so. Yeah, I've done that, and also I've done Jeff's, Jeff's, uh, CO two and uh, Jeff Raleigh's program. Yeah, have, yeah, you, have yeah. you seen it? I've seen it. Yeah, I haven't done it. It's great. Yeah, I love it. I, for me, it's I, like I, I like that's why I like going to CrossFit. I like to just show up, be told what to do, and fucking leave. And with that, Jeff, uh, Jeff's program. You just lie down and he just talks you through it. Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah, I got a lot of mileage out of that. Okay, cool. Anyway. Have yes, you been I'm, doing it recently? No. Mm, yes. Yeah. Just get back on board. Mm. Yeah, good point. With bad lung capacity. Well, if you feel like you're reduced, then maybe. Yeah, well, I, I had so much sting in my tail before. Like I, I was feeling really fit just pre all this. Mm-hmm. And I felt like my, my aerobic and lung capacity was really good so i definitely think it's something related but yeah you're right i should do some breathing it's only way they maybe repair is to use them and what are you trying are you just training because you enjoy it yeah for me uh you know i don't drink anymore Mm -hmm. so it's a release of sorts Mm -hmm. uh you know like uh, i got a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and i and i'm 46 now Mm -hmm. and i feel as strong as I ever have. And uh, I've just noticed that 
if I surfing's not enough for me anymore. Mm. I can't just surf. Otherwise, I sort of tighten up, go backwards, injure myself. So I've got to be doing something on the counter. And I don't know. Looking, I'm so inspired by people who are older who are still charging. Yeah. And I don't want to fucking give it up, man. Like, I, like you, I fucking love it. Mm. And so, just going to CrossFit, showing up three times a week, and leaving just keeps me in pretty good nick. Okay, that's good. It's, it's like I don't have to think about it, you know. Just show up, blah blah blah. This is podcast is not about me, Tim. I don't know how the <laughs> fuck you reverse this. Let's go back. All right. So, number eight world titles. You've come home, and so if you weren't focusing, I'm going to deflect this back on you. Now, yeah. Okay. This is what we're doing. This is yours. This is your time. Yeah. Um. Uh. We did you have anything else in your mind that you were like, oh, I would love to be doing this with my life, or were you just mm, haphazardly? Not just, really. Like, no. I mean. Pfft. It sort of came to a boiling pot, I guess. I was in France once. It was post-world titles, kind of, I think, first year, maybe second year doing the QS. Um, anyway, I'd gone over to Europe. It was just after the world titles, so I was sort of on a bit of a, I guess, a hot streak. Uh, I was traveling with the Rip Curl Europe team. We were sort of doing a bit of a tour with the Pro Juniors and the QS combined. Um, anyway, I went to the first event was in Spain. Um, the waves were terrible and I lost first heat and I was like, so bummed. Like, cause the guys that I lost to, like, I shouldn't have lost, you know? Yeah. And I remember ringing my dad and I was, <laughs> I was so off it. I was like, I did, I want to come home. I'm over it. Like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Like this sucks. And he's like, right, we'll come home if you want. You know, you you, you don't have to be there. But he goes, just think about it. He's like, you you know, you're 19 and you're getting paid to be in Europe. And I was like, yeah, all right, sweet. He goes, don't worry about the comps, just have fun. And then the next event are two finals in a row. What great advice. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just like, so it's kind of my own worst enemy, I guess. But Did you have like any kind of like anyone coaching you mentally? No. No. Do you think that would have helped? Oh, no. Nah, you you I might just, not have listened no, at that nah, point. I wouldn't have listened. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, like, man, if you look at the guys that didn't make it who were, like, from my generation, you know, there were so good guys like Laurie Towner and Mitch Colborn. Like, yeah, he came close, but, like, never never actually made the tour. And Heath Josky and, like, so many guys that were just insane and yeah, they like you got to be cut from a different cloth. Like, but I think of you as cut from a different nah, cloth. No, 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 no way. <laughs> Isn't it funny? There's a lot of different cloths out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, nah, these guys like you know, you look, you're the one percent of the one percent. You know. So Mitch Colburn was in that uh, that movie that came out that re. Um, I was like, that's 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 a great film. Um, Modern Collective. Modern Collective, yeah. man. That was the first movie in a long time that I thought, "Fuck, that's there's some love in that." Yeah. So he was part of that kind of carnival generation, and um, yeah, travelled around with all those guys, and they sort of yeah set the bar, I guess, sort of blew the roof off, like the, I guess, the filming sort of side of it, rather than posting full waves. They were just about that one clip, just bang, 
big punts or throwaway airs or whatever rather than, you know, that traditional style of full sessions or full full waves or something like that. Yeah. You know, from the earlier generation, like earlier surf movies. Yeah. They're just completely changed. Now it's sort of leaning back towards full waves rather than you just one hitters. So dad says, have a good time in France. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so had a great time after that. Um, met a really good friend of mine who I'm still really close with from Israel, Yoni Klein. Um, we traveled through Europe and Ruben Ash is from the UK. Did he do time in the military? Yoni? Yeah. No. He had an exemption for yeah. surfing. So, um, yeah, because as we all know, like everyone, as soon as they finish school in Israel, has to do their three-year uh, compulsory service. I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't know if it's an urban myth or not, but I was told that they get given a pup. Have you heard this? No. And they have to nurture this pup for a certain amount of time and then kill it. Mm. And That's the first like, I've ever heard of that. Yeah, well, I don't know who told me, but it never left my brain. I was like, that is so evil. And I was thinking about it the other day because, you know, I've got a new puppy and mm. I was like, how the fuck could you fucking do that? Like, I don't know, man. I went to Israel in 2019 yeah. and what, like you'd say 99% of the people there have done their time in service. I don't reckon those people that I was rubbing shoulders with like were puppy slaughterers. <laughs> <laughs> No way. <laughs> well, that's good. Thank you. No, so, I've you... met a lot of Israelis on the yeah, road and yeah. not once has this ever come up in conversation. Yeah, okay. No, okay. I don't believe that. As but I will, I will ask Yoni. Yeah. Um, but I doubt it. Yeah, okay, good. I feel better. I might be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Israel, did you surf there? Yeah. Did Got you? actually some really fun waves. How good? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I was staying with with him and he's probably, I guess, the most switched on guy. He's the best surfer to ever come out of that region. Um, like I'm sure you would have seen his clips online. He rips. Um, what a biz- tr- crazy experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I'll always go back there. Like as long as he lives there, I'll always go back and visit. Um, but yeah, the waves do get fun and it's quite consistent. A big, big fetch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because there's no actual proper ground swell; it's all wind swell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the culture? Culture was good. Yeah, really cool. Like very welcoming. Very welcoming. Super friendly. They just love their techno and weed. Yeah, like big time. <laughs> techno and weed. They're not huge drinkers. Yeah, like they'll like to have you know one, two, but yeah, it's mainly techno and weed for for Israel. Yeah, I um, I stay. Yeah, I went up to Toronto and stayed with some friends up there who were who were Jewish, and they were very similar. Mm. Yeah, and like all, the whole family, dad, <laughs> the mom, yeah, they were all into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, I didn't. That, oh, I mean, I, there's lots I don't know about Tim Stevenson, but I didn't know that you'd been to Israel. That's, yeah, that's a crazy experience. Yeah. Um, and. So you you said you made some really good friends there, mm-hmm. and Yoni, yeah, was one. Mm-hmm. And uh, the epiphany that you had in Europe around this time was that you said, or was it just the fact that your dad was like, no, oh, stay. I, well, I pretty much like 
I'd succumbed to the fact that I wasn't going to be a professional surfer, you know, and I was, I'd, I'd, I was done. I was mentally checked out at that time. Yeah. And I wanted to come home and he's like, well, don't come home. Why don't you just have some fun? Yeah. yeah okay. Just ride it out yeah. for as long as you can. It's a sweet gig. So I did. I pretty much from then on, I knew like, I was like, that's it. I'm never, this is not a job for me, um, but I'm going to milk it and just have fun. And then you made two finals. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't a fucking weird Yeah, 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 yeah. And I still milked it a little bit after that, but after that I ended up getting a job at Rip Curl and and um, was there for a little bit, maybe a year and a half or two years in the marketing department and then was made redundant. And that was kind of the biggest uh, turning point in for me in my career and my life was being made redundant because I was on terrible money, the great lifestyle with a good team. Um, you know, anyone that lives in Torquay or Jack, like chances are have worked at for one of the big three in big Rip Curl, Billabong or Quickie, Oakley Reef, whatever, um, at some point during their life, you know. Uh and yeah, it is a great lifestyle, you know, surfing every day, like being able to come in late to work if the surf's super cooking, like obviously to an extent you gotta be careful, but uh but yeah, being made redundant from there and being paid out, that was the the most probably biggest thing to happen in my life. Positively. Oh, okay. I was going to say... Yeah, a positive okay. thing because yeah. um, basically I was like just living week to week and then all of a sudden I had like 20 grand payout or something, something like that in my account, which was the most money I'd ever seen. I was 23. Um, that's a, yeah, that's yeah, a lot of money. yeah. And I was I was I was living at home at the time, and then yeah, so a week or a couple of weeks later, Straight I was on to a, the casino. No, <laughs> no <I'm not> <laughs> on a on a flight to California actually to stay with Casey for a month when he was living there in San Fran. Now hold on, did you go with Tom? Tommy came and met me. He was in New York, mm. so I flew over to uh, San Fran in like mid October something for a month and then my birthday's in november early november um so the plan was tommy was going to fly to san fran me tom and casey were going to have like a little party or whatever for my birthday but casey ended up getting called to new york of all places like a week before like for the week of my birthday so he was flying to new york and tommy was flying to san fran so (laughs) um they they ended up missing each other. So Tommy and what? I was having to look after Casey's dog and and um when I was there, like all I all I was saying was like I really want to surf Mavericks. Like, yeah. I really want to surf Mavs and like that time of the year isn't, you know, prime Mavs time. It's a little early. But um So sure oh, enough just, then just hold on. So Mavericks is a fucking serious wave. Yeah. And so you've been you know, like just for anyone that doesn't know Tim Stevenson, uh, you know, you hit your straps. This is why I say I think you're cut of a different cloth. You hit your straps when it's big. Yeah, I like, I love so big, like big waves. And yeah. definitely shine. Yeah. 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 You feel good. And yeah. so when did you, sorry, I just want to, I'm going to come back to this moment, but when did you notice that? Um, Oh man, I don't know. I always just grew up liking just, big waves. Yeah. Always, you know. Even when those days when I was a kid, going with my dad every day before school, I remember there was this one day. Um, 
It was probably like it was proper eight foot bells, similar to what it was yesterday, you know, proper. And Dad was like, "Well, I think I think it's too big for you today." It's the first time he's ever said that. And I was like, "Oh yeah, righto. I'll sit in the car." We were parked, you know, those three spots at Bell's, like the front row, yeah. perfect. So we'll park there so I could sit. And he's like, "Just sit in here. Wait for me. I'm gonna go surf." So I was like, "Yeah, sweet." It's like all good. So I was sitting there, just sort of, you know, sitting there steaming away in my wedding because I had it. I got changed at home and. And uh, all of a sudden I heard this like knock at the door and um, it was one of dad's mates who worked for Oakley. I think his name's Scott. I think it was Scott. And uh, he's like, what are you doing, Timmy? I'm like, oh, dad said it's a bit big for me to go out. He's like, nah, fuck that. You'll be right. Come with me. I was like, all right. Yeah, cool. So, <laughs> so I've like got my stuff out, you know, I'm frothing out and I wasn't scared. I'd sort of really only like said I was just listening to my dad, you know, he told me it was too big. So I was like, yeah, sweet, it's too big. So I go down with him and he goes, all right, now just grab my leggy. Like we'll paddle through me, grab my leggy, hold on, no matter what. And I was like, yeah, sweet, no worries. And you know what it's like when it's big and a lot of water moving, like we were getting flogged, like completely flogged. I think I was 10 at this time. I was holding on to the leash. And that's when I actually started, like we got, closer and closer to getting out the back and i remember this this one came through and i was like nah that's it i'm out and i just let go of his leggy and bailed my board and got washed in like um because we're at rink on it washed me into like the safe zone i wasn't like down the beach in the death zone but one apparently like that last wave was the last wave of the set if i had have held on i would have made it out and it would have been fine you know but um that was i guess the first time I can remember now where I was thinking, oh, that's that's big, but I wasn't scared until, you know, I was kind of just, it was just relentless and holding onto someone's leash. I just remember I was getting the absolute shit kicked out of me. Um, but yeah, from then on, I guess I always just enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fast forward. Yeah. You're so in California. in California, Casey's left to go to New York. I hired a car. Tommy's down. He's flown over from New York. Uh, my birthday's on the November the 4th. So I get the car on November the 3rd. Borrow, like, because I didn't have a board or anything. Like, I had five boards with me, but obviously not Mavericks boards. I'm, like, ringing around. Casey hooked me up with one of his mates who's, like, a beginner surfer. He had, like, an 8.6 by, like, 22 you know, like a beginner shortboard kind of thing that I guess I could have ridden it as a gun. It's probably like four inches too wide and whatever. It was epoxy too. Oh, my God. And yeah. um, I was like, well, that, that'll do. You know, that's all I've, that's all I've got. That's all I'm going to ride. Like, I just want to get out there. So we, we get up there the next day. It's cooking. Had like, you seen the setup pre-getting there? No. No. No, no. I didn't even know where it was. Like, and, you know, 23, this is before I had an iPhone, I think. Yeah, I think it was, or maybe it was my first iPhone. Anyway, uh, found out like where it was and like I think maybe the car I had had a GPS or whatever. So I've typed in Half Moon Bay, punched it in. Tommy's come down with me. We get there and it's it's proper Mavs. You know, the who's who are out there. It's cooking. like, And I was doing the full like emotional roller coaster, like, oh, I'm out there. Oh, no, this board's not right. Like, what should I do? And in the meanwhile, Tommy's just like, just get out there. Like, just do it. 
So I've, after wow, about an hour, Tommy Law, uh, just uh, push him in the yeah. maps. <laughs> after about an hour of procrastination or whatever, I've got out there and the paddle out's gnarly. Like, yeah. So is talk us through the paddle out. I guess so. It's kind of like a bunch of rocks out the back, and you can walk right up to these. When I say rocks, like huge, huge boulders. Sorry, I, I'm going to say is this. I feel real bad, but this is where Mark Fu. Where he passed away? Yeah. It's where he passed away, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So those boulders. Yeah. So you can, like, hug the inside of these boulders and on the, while you're in behind them, you're safe. There's no sweep. There's no white water. It's like a, I guess, like a natural harbour. But you, as soon as you get to eddy. the corner, as soon as you get to the corner of those rocks and that sweep and swell hits you, it's like sends you, like, quick, like a snapper current. Out the back? No, down the beach. Okay. Down the beach. So and Is there a button down the beach? There's a there's a button. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> it's not a dry button, but it's I guess it's probably worse because you've got, you know, twenty footers like detonating on this thing, like just surging like an ugly, boily, nasty spot where you don't want to end up. Yeah. Anyway, like as I'm paddling out because you're starting to deal with white water and as the sets come through, white water's come through the channel and you're dealing with such a big board, you know, you can't duck dive it or whatever. So I'm getting like slowly swept down, swept down, swept down. So I'm right on the corner of this like... So are you bailing your board swimming under? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, most of the time, just getting like bucked off, just washed off, whatever. Yeah. Um, And then yeah, I'm like just about to get like swept into the death zone and I finally just scratched out. Like, oh, my God. And um, I get out there and, you know, Dorian's out there and like, the who's who of big wave surfing, like he's out there. Boats in the channel. Yeah, yeah, big time. Like it was, it was circus. So these guys, the who's who, are they getting boats out there, or they're doing yeah. what you've done? No, no, they're getting boats. Okay. Yeah, but most people paddle. Yeah. So it was my birthday. I was twenty, just turned twenty-four, and I'm out Mavs, um, on this like crazy boat of a board. Uh, I got two waves. So after my two, I was like, that's it, I'm done, sweet. So hold on, this is before you got your first two waves, you're seeing, who are you seeing just take off? Oh, just like, to be honest, man, I wasn't really like noticing. I was kind of pit, like Survival. focusing on myself. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty intimidating spot. Like, yeah, it's, it's every bit as intimidating as you would expect, if not more. Just that bowl. Yeah. Is, and it's the color of the water is so dark and... Anyway, I came in. 20 foot? Yeah, there would have been 20 foot sets. And no safety vests? No. No. <laughs> no. And this is all before that. Yeah. Um, and I came in and at the time, Tommy was actually dating um, Steph Gilmore's sister and there was a CT event on and that was when Andy had passed away that day. So I'd come in and, and Tommy's like, I just got a message. Like, I think Andy's just passed away. And I was like what like so no one knew like and you know we're surrounded by like you know the whole surfing world some of his best friends and stuff and no one knew so there's a lot that went on that day and actually we ended up on the news so um channel four did you what how well we were just sort of standing there after the surf and they came up and they're like well where are you from uh can we interview you so yeah it was like how awesome yes i was on the news (laughs) over there we watched it that night it was pretty funny yeah what a story, man. Mm. And how was getting in? Getting in was okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't remember it being an issue. I can't really remember. So I'm assuming it wasn't an issue. Uh, and then what happened that night? Uh, we went to a dive bar in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in the mission. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just had a couple of quiet ones, I'm yep. sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I remember that day because I was in I was in LA and I was at El Porto that night, and I remember that's where I found out when Andy passed. Mm. So, yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, it was a mission, big big mission. Yeah, um, oh god. So, the, well, thanks for I was going to bring that story up, and you just uh, brought it forward. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Um, hold on. Can we go, uh, can you talk about, we don't have to say names or anything, can we just jump back? Uh, you were pretty pivotal in helping someone out down the coast when you guys were trying to get some waves. Feel like uh, yeah, experience? yeah we can talk about that. Yeah. Yep. I know that he probably doesn't want to be spoken about, but... Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, we, we surf big waves. Um, a few of my close friends, we do chase certain spots um, all over Australia. This one day we were surfing a spot in eastern Victoria. It was like as far east as you can go. Um, won't say any more than that. Yeah, that'll do. Um, super remote spot. Uh, <laughs> we'd been out since like crack of dawn. Um, and you had a ski? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it was actually at the height of COVID. Oh, so really? you weren't, we weren't actually supposed to travel. Um, but it was, it was in that sort of gray area where you were still allowed to travel for exercise if you couldn't exercise within your five Ks or whatever, you know, so it was kind of that gray zone. Yeah. There's a loop. loop Yeah, exactly. So we we got up at like four in the morning or three in the morning or something ridiculous and drove like all these hours to this spot and, you know, under the cover of darkness and we had everything we needed to be self-sufficient for the day. We knew that the, the conditions were going to be subpar till mid-morning, but stuff it. We'll get out there first light. So we were pretty paranoid about getting fined or whatnot. We didn't want to do the right thing, wrong thing, sorry. Um. Anyway, we get out there. I think it was like first or second wave. I'm driving the ski. My friend copped a board to the head and split his head open. So it was like, okay that needs stitches <laughs> that needs stitches straight up so the waves were, were average at that point anyway so we, we ended up going in and getting him stitched up and and i had this brand new wetsuit with um flotation in it that i had never even worn i wasn't wearing it that time so we've gone in gone to the hospital got stitched up there was no issues we come back and we're like right the wind's good like it's going to be cooking out there sweet well you know you should wear my weddy with the built-in flotation with the hood built in so it can protect your head, you know, because you've got to cut in there. And so, yeah, sweet. Sounds head. good. Yeah. Okay. Sounds no concussion? Good. No. No, no. Just, it's just a just dish. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't in pain or anything. He was just bleeding. It's fine. Um, so we went back out and it was all time. Like, we had a great day. Um, anyway, we were both sort of safe. Anyone else around? No. Not good, man. Uh, we go out. And we were both done. Like, we'd had great, great waves. Been out for probably like eight hours or something. And he said, oh, I'm done. Like, I'm done. 
I was like, oh, yeah, just get one more, you know. Oh, and he's like, yeah, sweet. Like we hadn't decided that we were done, but we were yeah, yeah. getting to the end of the day. We were both just, you know, the waves were big. We'd had some beatings. We'd had some good ones. It was it was a win. It was a winner. And then, yeah, put him in, towed him into a wave and he didn't make it. And when I come to pick him up, he was uh, like, he popped up with this like crazy look on his face and which wasn't normal. I was right next to him. And um, he said, I, I've just broke my leg. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, hang on. And then sort of like thinks about it for a second. He's like, no, yeah, definitely. And I was like, okay. He's like, and something's wrong with my arm. His arm was like locked up in a, um, like a, I guess if you're putting your hand up position to ask a question, you know. And so he's, and he's like, something's wrong with my arm. And I was like, okay. So I've turned the ski off, gone down the back and like, I'm like, which is your sore arm? He said, oh, my, my right. So I've grabbed him by the back of the, I guess the back of the life jacket and the ass of his wedding and pulled him back, pulled him up onto the sled and we sort of putted out of the impact zone and, and I asked him which, which leg was broken. He said, my right one. So I was like, okay. I knew that was where his leggy was attached to. So I've jumped off the ski, gone down to take his leggy off, and I could just see like blood like coming out of the bottom of the weddy. And um, so I've taken the leggy off and, um, you know, we were like half an hour from anywhere sort of thing, you know. So I was like, right, well, these are the two options. I can like beeline it to the closest town or we go an extra 10 minutes and I'll take you to the car and then I'll take you back to the hospital where we've already been once today he said just beach me like just get me to the beach i was like all right so So this is going straight to town yeah so he's face down on the ski i sort of was like playing around with different speeds to try and make him as comfortable as possible we did find a spot where he could lie there and you know he was um conscious the whole time and communicating and was totally fine you know, he was in pain, but as yeah. soon as I would turn the ski, that's when he'd let his leg, because it was actually snapped like literally halfway between the knee and the foot. So smack bang in the middle of the shin. And it was like complete, like we didn't know this at the time, but it was completely shattered. So both, uh, yeah, like, so it could pivot like in yeah, the middle right. of the shin. So he was like, I looked back at one point, as we were coming in and his leg was like spasming from the hip. So it was like spasming from the hip. So his leg was up in the air, but his foot was like kicking him in the knee at the same time. And oh, I was like, there's nothing I could do. Like there was absolutely nothing I could do. I just mm. had to keep, like it just hurt to like watch him in that much pain. And oh then, yeah, ended God. up um, sliding up like pretty remote sort of zone where we were like slid it up on this beach uh slid the ski up sorry and there was happened to luckily be a few people there and so i sort of yelled out like call an ambulance someone you know and then i went back to help him and was supporting his leg because his leg was flexing at the um and that's when i noticed how much weight i don't know if you've ever felt like someone's bone like when it's dead weight have you ever felt a limb or anything like that like mm. when it's gone under like zero support or yeah it's so heavy yeah oh, i believe like a dead body yeah oh it's man like well, from his shin 
to his foot was so heavy. Like, and you wouldn't think it's that heavy, you know. I was like, whoa. Anyway, a couple of Good Samaritans have come down to, like, give me a hand and um, we've ended up, like, clipping the, the rescue sled off the ski and getting him out of the impact zone. You know, perfect stretcher, the rescue sled. It's perfect, so... Oh, the, yeah. We kept him G-board up. G-board thing. Yeah, yeah, the G-board, exactly. So had him up there. Someone's called the ambulance and ambulance has come and the paramedics have clearly never been to uh, like an incident which requires a wetsuit to be altered or adjusted or anything like that. Um, so he's, you know, he's wearing a hood a 4-3 wetsuit with a built-in hood and a life jacket and it's full of flotation. So he looks like Michelin Man. He's lying there with his arm in like a question-asking position um, and his leg's bleeding, like clearly bleeding out the bottom, you know. So the paramedics rocked up. She's pulled out the shears. You know, she's sort of asking all these questions and like they didn't give him any pain relief like at the time. Um to we sort of suggested in like a pretty yeah. panicky voice. Give me the fucking Maybe whistle. give him some meds, you yeah. know, like. So they gave him some meds before they started trying to like deal with his wetsuit and stuff. So they've cut the the uh, jacket off and then she's trying to figure out how to open this wetsuit, you know. And new so flotation wedding. Brand new. Like, so I was like, <laughs> you, you need to cut this. Like you need to cut it. Like. So she's trying to figure out the cut a cut. I ended up like taking the shears off her and um and cutting it down. Uh and uh, yeah, as soon as we cut down past the leg, you could just see the bone like um like it had pierced through the skin and compound. Tucked tucked the skin underneath. So Oh my fuck. Yeah, the bone was like a little blade, like a really sharp blade, and it would had pierced through and yeah, it was sitting on top of the skin like that. About fifty cent piece worth. Um yeah, and then yeah, his shoulder was clearly visibly out of the socket, um, which ended up being broken as well. So he'd broken his shoulder, dislocated it, and shattered his leg. Yeah, what that happened? Was pretty, pretty full on, like uh, underwater. Well, I mean, we think well, ninety nine percent sure that he was, we were strapped into the board, and yeah, when he when he fell off. His foot was in the strap, and yeah, it's happened to me before as well. I sh- I broke my leg when I was twenty one, down in Tasmania. My first wave ever at ship stands. Bullshit. First wave ever. Snapped my leg in three spots. It was nowhere near compared to, um, yeah, my, this this injury. But um, yeah, it it happens. It's quite. I wouldn't say common, but a lot of people have. Broken legs due to straps. Do you still strap? I do. Yeah, yeah. Do you? And so the benefit there is you can ride a smaller board and hold with a harder edge, and it's got more weight. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, I have never ridden one, but I'm just guessing. Basically, like the waves we're surfing have so much energy, and they're not perfect. So you're you're dealing with high speeds. Hot, like more severe chop, more severe wind and more energy. So there's so much happening at one time. Like, you know, the, the barrel like can be breathing you in 
whilst you're being hit with a chop and sort of being foam balled at the same time. You don't, you need to be attached to your board basically. Yeah. Cause otherwise you won't make it. There's been hundreds of waves that I've made due to straps. Um, I think it's a risk that's worth taking personally. Even after breaking your leg. Yeah. <laughs> after seeing what can happen, yeah. like, you know, he, his was so bad it nearly, he nearly lost his leg. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Fuck me. I right. don't think it was never in a, in a full conversation like we, we're going to cut it, but it, I know it was like spoken about, like it yeah. could have happened. Um, so mine, mine, was, mine wasn't even a frat, like didn't go through the skin or anything. It was like, um, I guess you could say the perfect broken leg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's actually a funny story, man. Like, I Yeah, flew... so hold on. Yeah, you had a shippies. Yeah. Um, First time. I flew down there the night before. Like I said, I was working out Rip Curl yeah. during this time, 21 or 22. And um, so I was working in the marketing department as a product coordinator. So I was giving... Uh, product to all the team riders and events charities any bit of product that went out the door rip curl was through me so i sort of had developed relationships with team riders and stuff like that um one of them in particular was james holmacross who's from tassie and he said yeah timmy come down it's gonna be on i was like sick so i flew down the night before he picked me up we went to his house get up first thing in the morning in the dark, I've been asleep for like four hours or something. We drive out to, with the ski to the boat round, we jump on, go out to surf shippies. We get there and... So like, how far is that ride from the boat round to the ship? It was like a 45-minute ride yeah, on the ski. Decent. Yeah. Pretty decent. And the way you come, you come from behind it. So you don't actually look at it from side on. Right. You come around the backside. The back of it. Yeah. Yes. As I guess if you're paddling from like the button or whatever, you'd come from Bells around the corner to Winky. Yeah. Um. And we get there, it was, we had two of us, so myself and James and his brother Tyler Holmacross and another dude, Mikey Brennan. Um, two skis? Two skis. Yeah. So we'd gone out together and the boat with the photographers and all the other guys, um, they were coming from the other side. I think it's a different different route. But yeah. I didn't know any of these guys at the time. So we get there and James is like, the sun's not even up, you know, and he goes, all right, you're on. I was like, sick. So he's throwing me the rope and I said, put me in deep. Like, I want a deep one. Just, like, <laughs> just start. first like, up. Yeah. I want sun's to... not up. Just give it to me, Let's deep, go. Bitch, let's Sweet. do it. <laughs> so Tyler and um, Mikey went the first one of the set. And then the next one was like a big one. And we're like, he's like, we're on. Said, yeah, sick. Let's go. So I've come in from behind it without even looking at it from Knowing side Knowing there's know. a fucking step in it. Yeah. So I knew, I knew. I've seen so much footage on the wave and. I was like thinking, I was always thinking it was like step, step, step. Like as soon as I get that step, you know, I'm on. So I come in like warp speed. I let go of the rope, come over the step and I'm like, I'm looking at the line and I'm like, I'm on. Like I've just gone over the step and I can still see so much because looking on, on tape, once you go over the step, it's only a short little section, you know. What I was looking at was like a full on like, wall like a big horseshoe and i was like man this is the best way to ever break a stern like i'm on i'm on here like so i've set my line like standing up like glory like standing there just in this giant pit and um as i've like set my line to just lock out i see tyler and mikey in the in the channel with their arms just like pumping like yes yes i thought i was the man all of a sudden the step pops up 
like so when you're looking at it on footage, the real deep ones, like they have a step and then they they come firing down the reef and then the next step. So I, we were that deep that I thought the real step yeah. was the deep step, yeah. you know? And uh, as soon as I hit that step, man, it just stopped me dead in my tracks. My back foot come out of the strap. My front one stayed in it. And yeah, just as I fell, it just snapped. And um, before going over up and then over the falls twice, um, oh, I didn't actually know that I'd snapped it at the time. Like I, it all happened so quick, you know. Like just, I thought my board had hit me like really hard in the leg. Um, so I've gone to stand up on the ski, oh. and that's when I'm like, oh my god, that that kills. I can't, I can't stand on my leg. And just as all this is happening, the the boat with the photographers and everything's coming up and the sun's coming up, everything's like, it's like 10 out of 10 pumping shippies. No one around, just the local boys. And and I'm like, oh no, like these guys are going to think I'm soft because I've had one wave out here and I'm, oh no, I've broken my leg. They're like, yeah, sure, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't have to lie to us. And... uh yeah, so I, I ended up just having to say, mate, like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. And they're like, okay, cool. Well, maybe you can... <laughs> yeah, they maybe don't want to go. Maybe it'll settle, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Do you have that feeling after in your a few, guts? You're like, I oh, know it's not. Man, after a few hours, you look down at my leg and it was no joke the size of a watermelon. So I, had to, I sat on that boat that that day. That was like 6 a.m. or, you know, before the sun had come up. I watched it all day, man, like till 4 o'clock in the Arvo. Pumping, pumping shippies. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then had to like... Everyone knew my leg was broken by the end of the day because the size of it, it was ridiculous. Were you still worried about your internal bleeding? Nah, I didn't even <laughs> thought about it really. <laughs> like, But I had three boards down there and there was no way like I could... You know, so I left all my boards down there and got the flight from Hobart back to Melbourne. And my girlfriend at the time was living on Chapel Street. So I've landed back in Melbourne. They've wheeled me, you know, onto the plane, off the plane, to the edge of the terminal, literally to the, like, automatic doors. And they're like, yes, so due to legal reasons, this is as far as we can go. So you've got to, you're on your own, basically. So I've hopped from the door, from the terminal door to my car, which was in long term or whatever, or short term. Oh, my God. About 150 metre or 200 metre hop. Jumped in my car, drove to... Chapel Street, got there at about 1am or something and was lying in bed with my girlfriend and I was like, did not sleep a wink. My leg was just throbbing. It got to about 5am, I think. I called my dad and my dad's brother is an anaesthetist, but he's got some friends in the right places. And I told him, I'm like, I'm pretty sure my leg's broke. Like, can you try and organize something? He's like, okay, just give it a few hours and until it gets to a respectable hour and then we'll call my brother-in-law and, and more his brother and try and figure something out. So, yeah, a few hours went by and then I was straight in to see the, the guru and, yeah, without even x-raying it or whatever, he told me it's like it's broken. We can't do anything because it's so swollen. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, How did you not go to hospital in Tassie? Oh, I don't know. I was just young and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I guess until you know, I'd never broken. What did your girlfriend say when she saw it? Oh yeah, it didn't she? I can't actually remember to be honest. 
I think she sort of thought I was maybe putting a bit of mayo on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But um, no, so yeah, can straps, legs, yeah, towing can be a bad combination. But I think it's a it's a risk worth worth taking. And so um, you've had a fair your sh- fair share of injuries. Mm-hmm. I remember when I came back from the states. I think you had a a hip. Was mm-hmm. it a hip? Yep, yep. Had a hip arthroscopy and labrum labrum repair. And was that just genetic, or was that surfing? Ah, uh, surfing. Yeah. yeah. So repetitive, like high impact. Back hip. Yes, right hip. Yeah. Just laying it in there. So it was like, that was like years and years of like pain, which was undiagnosed. Um, I always thought it was my back. So I was getting all these treatments on my back and nothing was working. Like nothing. And yeah, it wasn't until I saw the right guy, um, you know, after like thousands and thousands of dollars of treatments and like not surgeries, but just, you know, um, like, physio and massage and stuff like that, supplements, trying to take like turmeric and, you know, all these things (laughs) that aren't cheap, man. You know, you're dealing with like a hundred bucks a a punnet of these pills that last a month or whatever that might fix you. But no, I was was literally spending more time out of the water than in and um, until they they realised that, yeah, it's your hip. That was like... Isn't that bizarre? mm. Did you... And you had no idea, you just thought it was... I thought it was my back. It felt like my back. It felt like the lower back, you, you know, right at the bottom of the spine. That's what it felt like. Huh. But I guess it was just, um, I guess, yeah, coming from the hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The body's a weird thing. It yeah. Fucking trippy, man. Yeah. What a legend, whoever picked that. Mm. So that was in 2015 that I had the hip operation. Yeah. And all good now? Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. I do a lot of maintenance now. What's it? Where your maintenance look like? Uh, like I said to you, so when I'm offshore, it's breathing and stretching, spiky ball, yeah. uh, massage guns, stuff like that. For a while, I was super into like float tanks, saunas. I was oh, super, done- super dedicated and had a great routine going. But I guess in the last sort of eighteen months, I've kind of lost that routine. I do need to get back there. Um, like the depri- deprivation tank? Sensory dep, yeah. Have you done that? Yeah, yeah, fully. You love it? Love it, yeah. And so you it, tell me, this is my imagination of it. Mm-hmm. You you can't tell where your body begins and ends? Mm, kind of. I mean, like, you should try it, man. There's a great spot in um, Belmont that, that offers quite a few tanks. Yeah, okay. And the setup's great. I'll tell you about it later, but... I got into it when I was doing shift work. So prior to working, flying in out, which I'm doing now, I started that 20 months ago. I spent the last seven years at the refinery in Melbourne. So the last three and a half of that was shift work. So we'd do two nights and then two days, six days off. So, you, you know, you'd start the shift with your night shifts and then you, after your second night, you would have that day to recover it's called a zombie day. And then you'd go to your day shift, you know, so you're feeling like complete bag of shit at the end of your swing. 
I got into it after my second night shift. So, because you can't sleep too long because you need to sleep that night to get back in sync for days. Yeah. You know, so I would go home, sleep for three hours, get up, have a surf, and then go in for a sauna and a float or like a session in the sense step tank. Um, it's an hour. The water's heated up to your body temp. So, yeah, it is like you're supposed to be floating. You're in 300 mil of water with a couple of hundred kilos of salts like Epsom's or Magnesium's, a few other like certain types of minerals. And yeah, you can have plenty of different experiences in there. Sometimes, I don't know, I think I would have done maybe 100 to 200 sessions oh at God. least. Every single one of them has been different. Sometimes I get in there and it feels like you've been in there for a minute. Sometimes it feels like hours and hours and hours. Sometimes I've got out because I can't stand to be in there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mind's just... Yeah, I've yeah. fallen asleep. Like, you know, I've solved the world's problems two times over. Um, wow. Yeah, sometimes you're, you're you're actually in pain in there. Like well, it's sometimes, no escape. It's just you and your mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really good space to force the brain to switch off. Yeah. How interesting. Wow, I didn't know you'd done that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, like, routine. It's not cheap, you know, which is a bummer. It's like $60 a session, I think, mm. especially if you incorporate. Like, my theory was always go go to the sauna. Apparently, this is a flawed theory, but go to the sauna first, like, sweat everything out, like, get all the toxins out and whatever, drink heaps of water while you're in there. They normally go for 40, 40 minutes, so... You have 20 minutes to cool down. Maybe do the cold plunge straight after. They have and, a cold thing in there as well? Yep. Oh, this joint sounds epic. Yeah. And then jump in the float tank after that where your body will soak up all the, you know, the goodness, stuff like that. Um, but apparently it doesn't matter which way you do it. You can go into the tank and then go into the sauna and it still is beneficial. But, I mean, I just can't get that through my head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I yeah. can't get it. No, that's all right. Whatever. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You've got your process and that's yeah, all no, that matters. It's, it's great. Yeah. But, you know, you're dealing with like a hundred bucks minimum every time. It's not cheap. No, if you're getting the health benefits, I think it's worthy. Mm. It's funny, like I've talked to people about this all the time. Like we each have like a a ceiling of what's considered excess with whether it be your like your health and wellness or your hobbies. Like someone might say, oh, like... Oh, I've got these new wheels for my car and oh, they cost me five grand. One person would be like, five grand, that's worth them my whole car, you know, worth more. Or other people like will be like, oh, that's sick or yeah. whatever, you know. Um, but putting a price on your health and wellness is, I guess, acceptable. Like, I don't know, I spend a lot of money on toys. I like, some would say too much, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, especially with foiling um it's not not cheap but so yeah let's uh i'll have this on my list my tim stevenson list uh, <laughs> when did foiling become uh for me yeah. i think i fell in love with foiling 2018 i got my first setup five yep, years so, ago yep actually just coming up five years ago on the docks it was easter yeah and um was it someone locally that you saw doing it? Was it mm -hmm. just videos? Videos online. Yeah. Um, 
friends coming from Hawaii and stuff that were frothing on it. Um, yeah, that's kind of where it all rubbed off. And so it's definitely an appealing thing. And you talk about the toys and I go like, you know, like, fuck. It's I, I, how much time, you know. Does it take or yeah. do I spend? Well, both. Like, because I'm like, fuck, I have trouble keeping the wheels on the car with my obsession with surfing. You go adding another obsession in there, I'm like, I can, could fall apart here. Yeah. Um, man, I don't think falling apart would be the right term to use. No, but I don't mean it like Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean, but like the extra, I guess, ingredient to the excitement that we have with the ocean and stuff with foiling is it's less condition dependent. You know, you can go out when it's half half a foot and blowing blowing its ass off onshore, like as bad as it gets for surfing, and it is 10 out of 10 for foiling. You know, um, pretty much like the, the apex of like epitome of foiling, I think, is downwind. Um, so downwinding is basically where we're riding the ocean energy, uh, which created by the wind. Um, there's so much that goes on to it and I'm only just getting my head around it now. Um, but like that is literally <laughs> the opposite end of the scale that we want for surfing. You know, we yeah, want yeah. big, perfect, hollow waves. So long period swell, not too strong a winds and it has to be the right direction, swell and wind and the tide, you know, all these, all these parts to make the perfect puzzle but with with foiling like it can be it's 10 out of 10 uh, quite a bit you know crowds are a non-issue conditions are a non-issue i mean yeah it's it's crazy like the people that we foil with now are guys that you would see in the ocean that, that don't want to share waves that like it's hard to get a wave off of whatever as soon as you're you're out on a foil it's it's a free-for-all it's an open slather and it's creating all these different friendships and groups and stuff like that, um, which is nice. It's really nice to to rock up at a spot and you know you might see twenty guys in the car park, but it's not. It's a non-issue. Yeah, it's like sick. Yeah, it's a really different vibe. It's kind of a bit of a kooky vibe, I guess. But it's cool. I'm glad to be a part of it, and I'll happily put my hand up and say I'm part of like a kooky sport, like. It's quite nerdy because there is a bit of science that goes into it, especially being such a new sport. Um, you know, it is, it's really young. Um, so we are just sort of chipping into the tip of the iceberg of what is possible um, with equipment. Like each, every second week, there's a new company bringing out a new design or you're seeing some clip where this dude's gone faster for longer, unassisted or whatever, you know. Um, well, yeah, I think Jeff was saying that, like, just in the, the last year or two, the gear from, you know, a year before that is now antiquated because the 100%. technology behind it is just leapfrogging. Yeah, which is kind of like a lot of guys around here did start to foil and there was quite of a, a crew but with technology making such drastic changes for the better, they haven't updated their equipment. So they've we were sort of all on the same level 
and then people that upgraded have have continued to improve and grow with the sport but the people that haven't updated like their foils are sitting there collecting dust because it's no longer fun when you're watching you know someone that your skill yeah. skill wise just good but you, you your equipment doesn't yeah. doesn't match it's yeah. it's like riding a twin fin against a thruster when it's 10 foot or, or whatever you yeah, know yeah yeah um which is what i was getting to before like where do you draw the line for excess you know to to with hobbies or things like that it's it's funny that we all like like whenever i say to my dad, for instance, like, oh, you know, I've sort of, I'm wondering if I should spend this much, you know, on, on this. He's like, well, you know, you want the best stuff and, you know, you're going to use it a lot. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, you can justify it. It's a justifiable spend. Um, it's like I need to have the best gear that's going to allow me to perform. Well, I think too, like I, I say this a bit, like, um, if you love your weddy, if you love your surfboard, you want to surf more. Mm. But if you're dragging around an old shitty weddy and an old beater and, you know, like, I don't know, there's a, you know, like if you're not, I noticed this when I was younger, that just the more I loved my gear, the more I wanted to surf more. And Definitely. I was like, I respected my stuff more, you know, I felt, I don't know, like some people go, oh, I, don't, I don't mind riding old fucked up board, but I always feel like I want my shit to be real. A hundred percent. I don't mind running an old beta of a board as long as it goes. Yeah. Like, you know, my best board, I like only ride it every now and again. I've had it for like eight years. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I was just driving it like sometimes, I don't know, like, um, yeah, the when I love my shit and it's usually when it's like, a, I feel like when it's newer, it's got more pop or something. Yeah. It's a bit more like, ah. For sure. Uh, and that that excites me to go. So surfing. you want to you want to surf more when you've got good boards or yeah. whatever. A hundred percent, definitely. And yeah, that's exactly like having the best gear with foiling. With foiling, yeah. But now it's just completely opened up a new realm. Like so now with surfing, you might have what ten days a year that's all time. With foiling, pff, man, I reckon we have a hundred and fifty days which are all time. Not just for downwind, but for, you know, you've got different types of foiling. It can be surf foiling, downwind, whatever. So this is what trips me out, man. You guys do down downwind, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll do it on the... How, how long is that board that you do it on? Uh, well, I've been doing just prone runs. So just on my short board, which is 4-2. <laughs> um, but I've just got a new 7-4 at 110 liters, which... Well, like you can use as a stand-up paddleboard. So you was whack. that when I saw you out at Chuck one time? You you were like, "This is the first time I've been." That out was on my this. original stand-up. So that was the first time I'd ever gone on a sup. I couldn't even stand on the thing. Yeah, it was yeah. Six zero by twenty-seven, one hundred and five liters. I couldn't even stand up on that thing. So I had that for a couple of months. I was like, you know, going down. That was probably what a year and a half ago. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So I was like that first day when I saw you at Jack, yeah, I couldn't even stand up. I just remember paddling out the back and my expectations of myself were just completely shattered. Like I have never been such a kook at something in my life. Yeah, I was like, we were watching you and I was like, if Timmy's struggling that much with that, I was like, it must be fucking hard. Man, like I could not stand on the thing. And, you know, here I am thinking that I was just going to be like stroking into little swells, just foiling all over the coast in no time. 
anyway, I did progress better than that. Uh, I was like getting to a point where I could paddle the the buoys at Cozy. Just Just for practice? Without falling. Yeah. So I hadn't even considered going into the surf. After that session that you saw, I was like, whoa, like I'm really going to have to start like ground level here. Drop your expectations to zero here because, you know, I mentally prepped for a hard slog, but I seriously undercooked it. So, yeah, I did get to a point where at the start paddling from one buoy to the next, maybe fall off 40 times. And it, but it eventually progressed to a point where I could paddle it unas- like without falling. But then I ended up selling the board because I it wasn't ideal. Like, you know how we were talking about technology changing. Mm. Downwind especially is going through change like you would not believe at the moment. What's What's good this week is going to be terrible next week, almost at that point. But I think now this I just got a new board at 7.4, uh, quite narrow. Um, it's only 19 and a quarter wide at 110 litres. Um, super streamlined, fast, bullet. I think that's kind of going to be where we're at for a while. Yeah. What gets me a little bit is when you're on your 4-2 board mm-hmm. and you tell me that you're going from the back of Bells back to Jack mm-hmm. and how far out to shore you are yeah. and so you lose your line of fire or drift that you're taking, I don't, the ocean energy that's carrying mm-hmm. you and suddenly you, you just got to paddle back in. You fall off, yeah. And yeah, it's happened a bunch of times, man. Like that's the kind of the safe thing about around here. We're never really more than a K max off the shore. Um and if you do fall, if you're trying to get, say, from Bells to Torquay or whatever, if you do fall, you can paddle in normally about five to 800 metres and chip in at, say, Boobs or Winky or wherever and get back up and continue. It's not like a death where you have to paddle in and walk back and start from scratch or whatever. Yeah, okay. So as far as, like, you know, risk-reward, it's pretty safe. Can you get one off steps and keep going? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So there's multiple spots. Like the the run we've been doing is like for me center side to, well the first center side to Jack, but the first one was been center side to um, Point Danger in one hit. But the runs like that's tiny. Like guys all up and down the coast of New South are doing 60, 80, 100k runs. What? Yeah, like all the time. Hawaiians, you know, twenty k's a day, easy, multiple times a day. Um, you know, on Maui and stuff, which is just super windy in Perth. The guys got really good runs there, about 20 Ks every day. Um, Yeah. So it's actually going to be like kind of the next destination, you know. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Like 10 years ago, if you had said, oh, you'll be checking these spots. Yeah. I would have laughed in your face and been like, no chance. But now it's like I'm looking at flying to Perth to get in the water I'm checking the wind for Perth. <laughs> it's like that's all that's all you want, you know, or like fly to Hawaii, not take any boards, only take a stand-up paddleboard foil. <laughs> just yeah, right. And you'll get the board there and everything else and just you just got your foil yeah. that connects onto whatever. Yeah, no, you take your own board, definitely. Oh, you definitely take your own 100%. board. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Oh. But so not a surfboard, you just take the the foil the, board. Got it. Yeah. 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 
What a trip, man. Like, it's definitely, I talk to Jeff about it all the time. He keeps going, go, you got to come. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I will. And uh, just, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I think once you, because it's a, it's a steep learning curve. Yeah. And he says, like, it's like for a while, it actually makes you a worse surfer until you kind of work out the equilibrium of them both. Yeah, that, I'd probably agree with that. I think it definitely, definitely makes you a better surfer because you get stronger legs. Like in the first six months, I put on four kilos in my legs. Um, so I think it definitely makes you a better surfer, 100%. Um, but you no, know, sorry, I he was saying to me it makes you a worse surfer at the start to start with yeah, potentially, but yeah, in the because long run, stronger, yeah, better. Yeah, once you do work out because you you do get into a, like a trap. Well, when you start foiling, you'll only foil because you're like you're learning, you know. And every session you're getting better, so you're starting to froth and froth and froth and froth till you get to a point where you're like, well, I can foil now, you know. So you're looking at conditions: am I going to surf or am I going to foil? Um, when you get to that point, which is what I think Jeff's talking about, is when you know you will start to improve your surfing from foiling due to strength but until you get to that point yeah it would be tricky because you're going from a tiny board to a board with three fins and you don't have this huge mask dragging beneath you and is your weight transfer different like big time yeah yeah there's so much man it's like yeah yeah, it's it's a crazy crazy time it's good it's exciting um i remember i think i pulled up at uh Bells one night and it was really stormy on shore, but maybe like four foot, three, mm-hmm. four foot. And I think you were out there with Kale. Yep. And you guys were getting like hooking from behind Rincon. Yeah. And just all, I was like, it was the first time I remember looking at it going, oh my, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that day. It was awesome. Yeah. Like- and then you'd like hook off and then pump back out. And then hook onto another one, you know, like on the on the pumping back out sort of. Yeah, like we're pretty conscious around here of like keeping the the surf waves, surf waves, and not adding foiling into that mix because they are they are dangerous. Like, you know, if if, if they're given to the wrong person, like they're <laughs> dangerous. Cut but I mean, a surfboard is dangerous. Mm. You know, a mal, a, a goat boat, like everything can be dangerous if you know, given to the wrong person in the wrong circumstances. Like I nearly got killed yesterday at Winky, like by a rogue board. Someone the, bail in front of you? Well, they, they duck dived and it slipped out from beneath me, beneath them and like right when I'm honking onto a bottom turn, like... Oh, bullshit, you were actually coming around. Oh, man, like, yeah, nearly, nearly dead. Destroyed my favourite board, like... Are you kidding? No. Nah. So, hold on. First wave. Let's just talk about this a little bit. Yesterday was pumping. Yeah. Yeah, so first wave. So, I, no, it wasn't, wasn't first wave. I paddled out bo- the bowl in the morning. I could, it was cooking. I was on my 6-2, my favourite magic board. Hey, can I ask, is that that um, something plus? The no. Something, it's like sharp eye or something. No, no, no. It's, it's actually, it's, it's shaped by the guy who uh, is the head shaper from sharp eye, but it was prior to him being with sharp eye when he was doing his own boards. One of my best friends, um, Brendan Leckie. So... On a clay craft, which I guess is an early sharp eye, I guess, or a sharp eye with no logos on it okay. or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I'd paddled out the bowl, got a couple of the waves there, and then I was just getting back paddled by gods on huge boards. So I drifted down to Winky and waited for about 45 minutes. And um, 45 minutes? 
yeah what's like, going on there <laughs> and, <laughs> it's a long time for you Tim. yeah 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 and anyway like the one one came scratched into it and yeah it was just like just setting a bottom turn same as every other time and one of the guys that i was coming like behind he's i didn't even see it man it happened that quick like it just yeah, his board he let go of it and it shot out from underneath him like as he's ducked I'm straight out behind him and just took took me out. Was he in clear water? Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. It was a f- complete melt like on his behalf and destroyed the rail and like caved in the whole inside of my board. I was dead. He got stuck off, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go straight in. <laughs> and drive go in, drive home, grab another board, come all the way back and end up surfing the bowl. So I was like full reset. Tom Curran out there? Yeah, he was. Did you see him get a couple? I saw him get one. Um, was he the, the, the rumor has it, or is it just a rumor that he was on a five six? Wouldn't surprise me. It looks fish. like a small board. Really? Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. It's a good good cool surface out the bowl yesterday. Owen Owen was out there. Seven good. Sharma was out there. Darcy Day. That was a good 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 crowd. Tommy Edgar. Ah uh, yeah. Yeah. That was good. What time was that? That was like nine till twelve. Like yeah. a three three hour. Yeah. Uh, it was a hard one to sit out. Yeah. No, it was sort of the second day we've had this year where it's been cooking. That Friday? Yeah. It was that fucking Friday that I... That that week was really a good swell from Monday through to the Friday, but it was light on Yeah. It was a good week of surfing, light on shorts. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go to Melbourne to work on Friday, mm-hmm. and that's where the dude got me sick who I worked with. It's, this has all come from. Ah, so I not only did I miss that fucking Friday, I got crook and it's, it's been haunting you ever it's since. It's been haunting me ever fucking <laughs> since. Yeah, fuck, spewing. Anyway, so moral of the story is don't go to work. Don't go to work. Don't go, go surfing to instead. Don't go to fucking Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, and now I just uh, indulge me on the Nias trip. Nias. Now the video that came out of you. Charging Nias, that was fucking awesome. Thanks. The, and the song that went with it. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. Who cut that up? Jack Stevenson. Snitter. Yep. Awesome. Yep. He and cut that up. Who filmed it? Um. Oh man. So. Or was it a bunch? Well, yeah, it was a bunch of crew. So I just went there randomly. Like I'd booked in time from work, just six months in advance. You know, like I want, I need some time off. So I'd booked in these dates just to stab in the dark yeah whatever just at the end of like as the trip was coming up i hadn't booked anywhere or whatever because i wanted to see where the swell was in the world and i was going to go there and um do you do that often that's what i do every trip now that's how they're booked like if i'm going to go away next week it'll be anywhere until like you can see that swell just like okay unreal i'm going there yeah um so, yeah, and I saw this swell. I'd never been to Nias. Obviously, I knew about Nias and had always wanted to go. Um, and I saw it and I was like, whoa, that that is a monster. Like, because I've got it, like, pegged in my sort of little stash of waves that I monitor all the time. And, and yeah, I'd been waiting for that swell. It was super south, strong. I looked at the flights, everything lined up. So I was on a flight the next day. Or maybe it was even that night. But it was super quick, like yeah. real quick. Strike. Strike. So I flew in, 
got got to now so my boards didn't arrive. So like I'd sort of given myself everything lined up, but oh man, yeah, I mean, couldn't even plan plan for it. Um, I actually met like at at the Medan Airport. I met these two guys and I got got chatting to them. You might have heard about this. Um, they they're from Phillip Island, and they were on their way there as well, or they were on their way somewhere else in Indo, and a guy had got on the planes claiming that he had a bomb. Oh, what? Did you hear about this? No. And, and these two dudes, like, took took matters into their own hands and, like, manhandled this uh, would-be hijacker and, and essentially saved the day. Like, the, the flight got grounded and, and all the rest of it. And A couple of island boys. Man, yeah. So, and I was just, like, I ran into them just as you do in an airport, you know. Yeah, yeah. We got chatting and, and yeah, they it had just happened on the flight. They were just on. Like and so they're getting calls from, from yeah fresh like calls from the news like tell us your story and this and that and that. I was like whoa <laughs> anyway um so I can't remember if they came to Nias or not I, no they did they definitely did so we we're on the next flight to Gunung Satoli from Medan and um and yeah their boards didn't arrive either so it wasn't just mine but it got there and. The guy I was staying with, Raf, he's a legend. Um, he's the man to stay with if you ever got a Nias, Raphael. Um, but he he sort of chased up boards. I think it happens all the time there. And, um, yeah, so I think this is the first good swell to hit Nias in a long time at the time. It was, what, 20, 2018, I think, I reckon, 2017, 18. And one of the two. And, um, yeah, basically no one rocked up. The only people that were there were, like, that chased the swell was Matt Bromley and Jerome Sayun from Morocco and uh, Skeeter Durham. Who's obviously Yeah, Vico boy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was – and on the good day, it was only us that were really wanting the sets. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a sick trip, like – Really, really good waves. Those waves were huge. Yeah, yeah, it and was legit. Yeah, perfect, but spooky. perfect. Yeah, the on the afternoon of the swell when it was peaking, it was starting to do that like stormy rawness that you would have seen on that swell that took the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was doing that, but it was much more perfect than that swell. It was obviously not as big as that swell. I think it was definitely better. Like I had friends that went there for that swell and they're like, dude, like that swell that you went was way better. Um, yeah, that was pretty much as good as a strike mission could be. Like in, boards arrived, surfed the swell, out of there. Didn't break a single board, which is rare. Uh, but as, yeah, collecting the footage, I hadn't actually planned to get footage, but the Raf's son who I was staying at films and... He sort oh. of said, "Oh, do you want to do you want to film it while you're here?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah, sick." So I think I paid him like a hundred bucks a day. He would film, and he was a gun too. Yeah, the footage was awesome. He's a gun. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but Matt Matt Bromley also had a photographer there who was swimming water. Um, and then Jerome same had his photographers there that were using like red cams and stuff, and they were, they had boats and all sorts of stuff. So they just gave me the footage. Everyone gave me their footage apart from um. Anton, wow, wow, wow. 
I, I paid him for his footage. Yeah. But I just brought all the footage back and gave it to Jack. It was super organised. It took him like I think like an hour to edit. Like he just went bang. He's a wizard. Like just cut it up, threw it together and we just put that song with it and that was it. Like he, he was done. Like Yeah, I, it was awesome. Yeah. No, thanks. It yeah. ended up being well. Worked out well. Did it, you would have got a lot of hits on that? I think, yeah, it went viral. Surfline had it up there. Did they? Yeah. Oh, sick. Uh, so that was good. Yeah, so it got a lot of traction. So that's good. Um, any, uh, no, you're just going to look at a map next time there's a blob. Yeah, I've got six weeks coming up end of May. I've got all of June off. Uh, got a few places sort of earmarked a little bit, but we'll have to just see what happens yeah but you know filming all that stuff anymore like i don't film i will not film but if it's there i'll buy the footage you know but i'm not going to go out of my way to film like every time i've gone out of my way to film in the last sort of five years it's bitten me in the ass in what way well i don't know i guess it's like that like you jinx it a little bit kind of like we were saying before about you know like competition and stuff there i guess maybe that pressure like in the back of your mind like I'm working now or I'm – it takes the fun out of it essentially for me. Like I don't like it. But if I'm out there and say you're being filmed, like so it's not me, but yeah, if yeah. they might just get your waves in between, that's yeah. sweet. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, mean, I don't get it, but I get it. Mm. You know, like I'm I, I'm surfing Winky regardless, but if, mm. and if someone happens to get a photo, fucking stoked. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. So it's interesting though, like because like the whole social media thing that we we come back to again is like, and it, well, it's a lot of people's career, right? So big time. That's a, that's a different thing, but it sort of takes from the experience to. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if it's someone's career, it's a different thing, and I can't under you know I can't say that because. I mean, look, hats off to the guys that can make a career out of social media and stuff because. Like they're they're their own boss, I guess. They're calling the shots. Like they're living the dream. Like, I guess what that's what they're selling is the the dream. You know, to to the everyday punter that's not living that dream. I guess that's the whole thing with social media. It's you know you want to get on there and see what so and so is doing. And does it make you feel good? Social media, no, no, it doesn't make me no. feel good either. <laughs> you know, because I'm watching on. all these other people get yeah. barreled. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, or just whatever, like. Sometimes I'm, it makes me judgmental because I go, you've got the whole world and everything in it to put on that and yet it's the same thing or it's the selfie, the same selfie or it's the same. And I'm like, and therefore it's like I judge people that I like and I'm like, oh, that's unhealthy, that thinking too. And if I hadn't have just, if I hadn't not opened it, that thought never would have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like... It is, it's good. Like social media, it does have its like pros. Definitely. Definitely. And I don't, we're never going to like get rid of it. It's done. It's here. Like for sure. Um, and you know, but in terms of making a career out of it, like, oh man, like, yeah, I'm jealous. Like, cause my ultimate like fantasy, I guess, is to not work for the man. Like, although my lifestyle at the moment, it works because, you know, I, I don't have any children. Um, I guess pretty free in decision making and stuff like that. 
Um, so having time where you can, like you said earlier, just focus only on surfing or the waves or whatever. And when you're working, you're working, but then when you're not, you're not. Um, I guess if you're working for yourself, you're always working. Totally. Yeah. Um, but my ultimate, my ambition is to, yeah, work for myself or get some sort of sustainable income. Um, but you know, I'm trying to figure that next step out. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's just healthy, healthy to always be thinking, you know, like, yeah. you know, fuck, never rest on your laurels. Mm. You gotta keep the dream alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. Are you proud of where you see the Torquay board riders, uh, the Janjak board riders these days? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Very proud. We had an event not last weekend, the one before. Uh, once again, the great call by the committee to run on the Sunday. Mm. Um, we always try and run on a Saturday because everyone likes to have beers afterwards and have a good time. So you can recover on the Sunday. But yeah, um, the models or motto has always been we don't grovel. You know, jump waters don't grovel. <laughs> and we've called off plenty of comps where it's surfable, but it's a grovel. Um, and Sunday, and it started off pretty small. I wouldn't say a grovel, but by the end of the day, there was you know shoulder to head high waves and the level of surfing was insane like we had 50 surfers on a sunday you know with average conditions it's pretty cool you look at most other clubs around like you know they might have 12 14 on a good day they might have 20 open surfers we had 50 so you know we definitely are becoming like a a staple in in the local surf community. We are a staple. Um, we're here to stay. We've got a lot of stuff on. You know, um, doing some good things. So it's very exciting. Yeah, totally. Uh, I was away and I was quietly spewing. I missed it. Yeah, it's always such a fun day. Everyone says the same thing. Like I don't know anyone that's come down and said, "Geez, that's such a bad day." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, I, it's sort of like, why can't we do this more? It was yeah. four a year or something, isn't it? Four a year, which was, you know... I mean, it's good because you look forward to it. Definitely. You don't want to flog something too hard. And when it, if something's on too regular, it, it, it can become one of the events that you just brush off. You're like, ah, oh, just we'll just go to the next one. Yeah, we'll just go yeah, to the yeah. next one. It's like, nah, we've created like something that's actually people want to be a part of and, and they will change their lives to, to suit, you know. Um, so, no, very proud. Very proud and excited for the future. Um, we've sort of taken a step back this year from doing the tag team and stuff like that, doing the, like, I guess, official competition. guess, you know, we, we were never really that serious anyway, um, as in competitiveness. It was always the, like, camaraderie and stuff like that. Like, um, we, you know, another motto when we first started was, we're seriously not serious. Um, this is not serious, mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, with like little projects like this, oh, they... this is serious, mum. That's tism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they do become serious because I guess with everything, there's so much politics that becomes involved, like from outside, from inside. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you know you have no idea how much time and effort it requires, like to to make something run. Like, well, I mean, you might, but like the everyday punter like you know it's just a you know it's a seriously not serious local sporting event 
that basically has zero structure to it and still requires a lot of time and effort. <laughs> it's it's nuts. I would hate to know like how much a proper organization. I mean, you look at the, a football club or something like they've got teams and teams and teams, like hundreds and hundreds of people's lives and based on keeping this 20 guys playing a sport or whatever, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of behind the scenes work goes in and it's good. Like our, our committee's growing now. Like we've got a lot of people that are, are becoming involved and, and they're seeing that side of it and um the crew that kind of kick-started it all are taking a back step now due to having like families and, and stuff like that, sort of passing the torch, I guess, to yeah. the next generation, Yeah, which is good. Um, actually heading down to the pub. I have to go in a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I just realised, I didn't realise so it was um, this time, but I actually have to pick up a meat tray and get to the pub because I'm running the raffle, the, the Jack Pub. So, Timmy, thank you so much for your time. No I won't worries. keep you anymore. It's been Legend awesome. Tiggs. Thanks, bro. No, thank you. Okay, whoever you are out there in the wide world, thank you so much for tuning in. I told you that was, um, I had a great chat with Tim, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. So, there. Thank you. Thanks again, Tim Stevenson. Um, Look, time, space, weird world, man. Um, <laughs> try and be good. Try and do what you love. And um, thank you again for lending me your ears. I always appreciate it. I always appreciate it. I really enjoy this process. I enjoy the horse's mouth journey. Who the fuck knows where it's going? Until next time, be good. Or be real good at being bad. Okay. Adios. Adios.